0: Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today, we'll be discussing continuous improvement and sales processes, achieving a sustained continuous improvement culture with our guest, Craig J. Garner, Director of Operational Excellence at iVoclar. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization
1: whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy,
0: If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where
1: we discuss real life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello. I'm Artur Goya, Cognition Research Solution Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. And with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Maran Shivak. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we'll be talking about operational excellence and continuous improvement. And we are pleased to have with us our guest, Craig Garner, Director of Operational Excellence at Evoclar.
2: Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having now- me today.
1: Nice to have you here. Uh, great. Uh, let's start with what we just heard from you. Evoclar uh, is uh, um, celebrating 100 years uh, anniversary and it got a bit of rebranding from Viva then to Ivo Uh Tell us more about your company and how it actually, how it feels to work for a company that reached this respectable uh, milestone of 100 years and uh, you know, what, what is the, the, the kind of the, the secret, uh, how the culture in the company works?
2: Sure. Uh, and again, thank you very much for having me here today. Uh, this, it feels very honored honor to sit here with you too and, and to really talk about my company and what I do. So you're correct. Aaveclar celebrated its 100 years this year in 2023. And one other notable co- uh, company also comes to mind, which is Disney. So Disney is also celebrating their 100 years this year. So just as we know, Disney has a very strong culture. I, um, from my experience, I've been with Iverclair for about 14 years now. They have a very strong culture and leadership. So in my experience, I think, you know, any company that can boast 100 years is doing something right. And from my experience, I think, you know, it really comes down to two key areas, which is again, leadership, uh, what what tone are they setting? What what environment are they creating? And then that environment that's being created, you know, subsequently becomes the culture within an organization, right? What's important? Uh, what do we focus on? So I think those are those are two key pieces um, that I think helps make a company last up to a hundred years.
0: It's a really good good company to be in. I mean, Disney and you know Ivoclar. And, and it's good to be in the company with the high culture. Uh, can you? Tell me, like, what elements? Because we are very oriented towards processes, and um, we discover, to be honest, running this podcast for, for, for a couple of months now, that the that the culture is at least as important. We still will be defending processes, but the culture is at least as important as as processes. And you are uh, chief of operational excellence. How does the culture work with? Uh, with processes and what is the culture in in Iverclar, but you know hopefully we'll take it over next hundred years
2: so it, it really starts from the top down and so Ivoclar is a, a privately held organization mm-hmm. and it really uh, starts with uh, the core values uh, from really again from top down and I think what this what this does and again I would say a hallmark for leadership is being that um, that that guide in that that beacon Right? So, mm-hmm. where are we going? Where, where, what should we be looking towards? And I think Iverclar has done a very good job at having a strong mission, a strong vision, and strong values. And that it's not just words, but they're also lived. So, you know, you start to get examples of um, our literature, you know, reflects our values. Our training reflects our core values. And that is then backed by actions by, let's say, leadership and the different, um, the different subsidiaries. So this could show that, hey, for us, these are the um, the actions we did that really um, are in line with our values. So whether okay. it's can you can you give no us an place. example? Uh, can you give us an example?
0: Because I, uh, you know, uh, I'm afraid that the words like mission, vision, and values are very overused, and we discussed it in our podcast as well. That you uh, know, uh, everybody is talking about mission, vision, and values. It's like one of consultancy so you need to set it up for the company and then it when it comes to actual decisions there is only one value which is uh, monetary value and uh, i believe that it's not what you're talking about so to the the, the, the buzzwordify if i can make up such a word sure. uh, if you could give us an example of a value and like some actual decisions and operational decisions like where maybe profit was Set up on the second um, place and some value above it, or oh, at least good, equally.
2: Oh yeah, so I think that's a, it's a great question. I think um, I think an example could be um, really one of the, the core missions is to is to make people smile, right? So we we are in dental, right? So right. we want we want to you know make people smile. So, if we then look at, okay, then how do where do we make that connection? So, I would say that would connect with, let's say, my role. So, with operational excellence, you know we're, we're focused on, um, well, in my role, I focus on salespeople. So, I work with sales teams, help them identify uh, their processes and where value is being delivered in that process. And when you make that connection of um, the salesperson, the value they're delivering into their customer, in there should be, okay are we making the customer smile? So the the value that we are generating. So if we are sitting down with a customer face-to-face and helping them be more successful, understanding what is it that they're doing. So whether it's a dental practice or a dental laboratory, mm-hmm. I think that's where you can start to make the connection. But you're right. I think it's, and, and you've seen a problem your experience where it just becomes words and it's not something that is part of, of the actual operating culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm listening to this, and and one one thing that kind of uh, circles around my head is you are a privately held company, uh, mm-hmm. and I've I haven't worked in uh, in my life uh, apart from from this company, Cognition Share Solutions, which which is privately held, but it's it's actually uh, it's a consultancy. But previously, I worked only in companies that were either uh, publicly traded companies. Or uh, in case of Rabobank, it's uh, it's a cooperative, and there the cultures were very different. What every time I actually encountered a privately heard company, the mindset of not having shareholders, not having you know someone who isn't kind of interested in the company but in its profits, which is very often very different, it it presents a very 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 kind of uh, different viewpoint. Do do you kind of the same that being privately held is the, the at the core of being able to hold this this uh, mission first mindset.
2: It is, and that's a uh, again, it, it's a great point. Um, in my previous experience, I worked for a, a Fortune um, 100 uh, distribution company, so mm-hmm. in that role, it was uh, publicly held, and you're right, you, it was always that that race for the quarter, right? So it really was okay. What are we doing to make the quarter? Make the quarter. Now, what's interesting is that again, when you go to privately held, you know, we still have our shareholder, which is obviously the owner. However, it's you're right. There is a, a different, um, a different feel, a different culture, right? Because we are able to be more uh, mission first, right? So we are still doing everything we can to deliver that value to our shareholder, but it's it's a different pressure. It's not it's not that uh, that quarterly pressure that's always there you were a on
0: the on the on the road
1: yes in our previous episode we spoke to a gentleman who actually uh, deals with private equity investing in uh, the lower uh, middle and middle market and he he told us that he likes to uh, invest in privately held companies because the, the owner is is very much invested in the company in the, the life of it the history of it Rather than just seeing it as a money-making machine that does something, you know, whatever. Uh, So now translating this into your role, because I'm I'm very Mm -hmm. interested. I I haven't met uh, a you know uh, chief operating excellence officer or anyone kind of with operational excellence in the title. This is the the first one. So how do you know? Do you know how the, the idea for the role actually came about?
2: Uh, Yes. And to clarify, just in case any of my colleagues ever see this, um, I am uh, in a director role. So I help oversee part of uh, North America. So we are a global organization. Uh, And operational excellence was created a few years back after uh, we've seen success applying lean principles to production. So I believe as, as a company, we saw this and say, hey, that's great. How can we apply these principles elsewhere? So then we worked with uh, consultants to really understand uh, how can we apply to administration and specifically sales? And then that's where I came in. So I've been doing this for about three years and my experience is I've got 28 years of sales and sales management experience. So I'm, I'm very wired on sales. So processes or process-oriented thinking is, is new to me or, or was new to me when I first started. And I'm trying to bridge that gap and helping other sales leaders, you know, see the benefits of adopting a more process-oriented uh, approach. It's it's not easy, but the benefits are there, and they can be sustainable. So I think that's that's some of the challenges we have is that you know we're always looking for the the immediate results. However, when we're looking at a mindset, when we're looking at a philosophy, that takes time. So that's where mm-hmm. you, that's where you start to get your your challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. And the change management and- is actually something that we noticed in our work is the most challenging, so to speak, uh, element you can, because we, we help structure processes and, and document and sometimes automate. and yeah. But showing the people the benefits the the environment and convincing them or maybe ensuring their, their safety and security is what actually takes time and, and effort because you can Pretty quickly, you know, drove the process. Okay, so now you do this, this, and this, and people start asking why. Last twenty years, I was doing that, that, and that, and you know, it it got me got me covered, got my bonus. Uh, so we also know that you are interested in continuous improvement. So mm-hmm. could you tell us how uh, how the continuous improvement, which we know from, in example, software development. Mm, Leaves or or takes uh, takes uh, shape in in sales. How do you define continuous improvement? And how do you implement it?
2: So that um, that really at first I thought was a, a challenge, right? So for, as a salesperson, I pride myself in you know in going out and, and selling, right? I, I I don't follow our process. I just go and, and I I sell to customers. So when I started learning some of the um, the ways of doing this. And so for me, it's often when I'm talking to sales, I say that these lean principles are um, tangible ways of working smarter and not harder. So we, we always hear that saying, right? Work smarter, not harder. And then I'm always raising my hand, said, so well, well, how how do you do that? So if we if we look at uh, how do you do that, so it's the 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 basic principles of you know plan, do, check, act, right? So P D C A. Mm-hmm. So. When working with sales teams, what we do is, let's say from a plan perspective, is that we look at their process. So really, mm-hmm. in order to have some type of continuous improvement, it's improvement of what? So now we work with sales to say, hey, let's talk about you know your process. Well, and like most salespeople, I'll be like, well, I don't have a process. Okay, well, let's talk about the steps you take when you're selling. Okay, yeah, I do that. So then we just take a big whiteboard, right? Um, and we just try to make it visual. So, what are the things that you do? Well, I do this and I, I call customers and I you know say this and then I do this afterwards, great. Now, let's just say that that's your current process. Now, from there, we would look at saying, okay, at what step do you know you're delivering value? You know, And well, what does that mean? Well, okay, well, is there a point where you're talking to a customer and you're identifying what their needs are? Oh, yeah, well, when I sit down with them and talk about you know, their, their business and our product, okay. Now, this is where we try to make that connection with KPIs. So we try to say, hey, at this stage, you know, what's an indicator that you're being successful? Okay, well, when the doctor says yes to an appointment or when the doctor uh, agrees to uh, continue to take an order. So from that, we start to say, okay, now we're starting to look at ways of ensuring your process is working. So that, that becomes the basis. Now there's additional steps that you can take to that, which would be, Um, some type of regular meeting that you can review those KPIs. So this is where leadership comes in because leadership really needs to be able to support. And this is, you know, part of the mindset the philosophy, right, of operational excellence is that really in order to have continuous improvement, you need a leader that's going to help uh, identify the blockers, the pain points. And then as you start to identify that, then you start to modify your process. And then from there, you're looking at, okay, is that working? Is it not working? So it becomes this, this iterative um, process that just continues into the future. And when you start to have KPIs, when you have these meetings, you can start to see it. So salespeople, you know, we like to see numbers. So if I can mm-hmm. see that, you know, my number is trending up, I, I like that. Sometimes if I see it trending down, I, I, I don't like that. But then that's where leadership comes in and says, hey, that's okay. It just means that there's something in the process we want to look at. You know, let me support you. So that's, that's where we start to make that connection.
1: Uh, right. so it's 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 very interesting uh, the way you described it, uh, and it, probably someone who's listening to it will immediately think about Kaizen uh, and uh, you know the continuous improvement that is linked to that that philosophy. So let's let's kind of take this uh, in you know uh, explicitly. So you follow that a similar philosophy that's been kind of in manufacturing in uh, described as Kaizen and. Uh, the, the the kind of the, the um, getting rid of waste and but it's it's obviously when uh, applied to processes in services uh, rather than manufacturing it has to be slightly tweaked hence the the, the kind of slight differences
0: right yeah yes uh, my my Go question ahead. around here is about this modification because this is some let's say you, you mentioned this uh, plan do check act. Uh, how do you differentiate between do and act? I must say that people have very often very very strange uh definitions and uh yeah it's uh, sometimes really interesting to hear because uh, do and act they are i would say pretty similar uh so how 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 uh, how do you distinct or you know between the two what what do you think one and another are is?
2: So uh, I think um, our definition or the way I see it being applied is, you know, plan is is the process. So this is Mm -hmm. what we plan on doing. Mm -hmm. Um, The do is then the sales team taking those steps. You know, um, what are they doing to uh, to find customers, prepare for Mm -hmm. the call, uh, visiting? Um, Mm -hmm. I think the check comes in with, let's say, part of the weekly meeting where now through the KPIs we can see is what we are doing. Let's check and see if what we are doing is working? Is mm-hmm. this having the impact that we have? From there, based on that feedback, then we can act and make changes to it. So, do we need to um, change what we're looking at to measure? Do we need to change the steps? Do we need to change um, some of those uh, conversations? So, for me, that's that's a kind of continuous circle of um, plan, do, check, act, applied to a sales situation.
1: And then you know, it 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 works when it works. Like, like most ideas, mm-hmm. uh, the when when we try to apply similar concepts, we sometimes encounter people, and this this comes to specific personalities. Uh, I would call them um, kind of intuitive performers, people who don't follow a a specific process that that they 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 can explicitly state, rather, they they just perform and they do their mm-hmm. job well. But when you ask them, they they kind of they they waver. They're not really sure how to describe it. How how would you deal with with these these kind of people? People who are clearly doing their job, but they just can't subject themselves to this kind of rigorous introspection because they most of what they do is is uh, intuitive rather than explicitly uh, stated.
2: You know. So again, that's that's a great question. I think. Um, those are your individuals, uh, we'd call them mavericks. So th- those are the ones that uh, are your really your, your top performers. They just intuitively know what they should be doing. Really, I, I think in this, in this environment, what you want to do is, is identify who those folks are and then really use them as your knowledge source for helping with the process. And then I think also, when, again, we talked about that, that, um, that check piece of this. So, utilizing them also for your best practices. So, often what I say, then again, it's you're really trying to connect. In in any concept, you're trying to connect with your audience, right? So, if you start using big words or or concepts that they don't understand or they can't really apply, then you lose people. So, what you can do in these situations is use these individuals as um, your source for best practice. So, if they're already successful, then let's say, hey, what is it that you've done? Let's utilize that. And then from there, that can become components for your new process or for your your adaptation. So hopefully, by bringing them more into the process, they feel more engaged, more involved, and they're able to really see a little bit more fulfillment there.
1: uh, Have you ever encountered a person that just cannot be? Subjected to this, I'm, 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 uh, I mean, you know, your biggest challenge in because this is this is really about personalities, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I know I know people who who just naturally work with this, and they they're they're great sources of knowledge. They're also great knowledge absorbers, and there are people you know. And I always look with the with the easy people; it's easy to work. I always look at that, that the challenges and ways of actually overcoming them and working with them because it's it's. The, Always, you know, Marian always reminds me that in any message, it's the sender's responsibility to be to to deliver the message rather than recipients who absorb it. So, as the sure. senders of the message, that's the, the kind of senders of this 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 methodology, we have to worry about how how to make the message land. So, what what was your biggest challenge, and and how did you overcome it?
2: Honestly, I I would always just refer back to my previous example. So, I think you know the mm-hmm. biggest challenge was really working with the mavericks working with those ones that are saying hey look i'm already successful what what can you give me or show me that's going to be, help me be more successful cuz i think that that really kind of encapsulates it kind of the thought process that that i would have also and i think you know ultimately there's going to be some individuals that you know um, you, you may not connect with who just may ultimately say hey look that that just doesn't work for me and and that's fine and i think um Otherwise, what you're trying to do, and again, we, we're talking about making that connection, right? So it's the, the responsibility of the, of, the, of the deliverer, you know, who's delivering the message. So in that instance, it's my role, again, from a value perspective, understanding what is this individual value? You know, what are they looking for? And then try to make a connection with this philosophy, with this approach. And again, with some, you're going to make that connection. With others, you can't. And as they say, you know, um, that's, you're, you're not going to win them all the time. So you can always do your best.
0: Uh, Now that we talk about the the, the sales and and then this, let's say, um, unique characters, as long as they are mavericks and they are outperforming, I guess it's easier to swallow than when they are average performers. Uh, I had a friend who worked in the bank. I hope I still have a friend, Uh, Mm. but he used to work in the bank Uh, and he told me he, he was working in sales. And he told me that he was one of his mavericks and he was very often scolded because he didn't stick to the procedure. And when he was saying, but, you know, I outperform everybody else, they said, listen, but you're showing the wrong example. What you do, you disregard our procedures. Thanks to your personal abilities, you are able to outperform. But many people who work with you, they now think, oh, you know, Disregarding procedures and and processes is okay. And they underperform. So even if you personally, you know, overperform, you are not covering the losses that we have from the people who mm, try their best. They also want to beat the system, but they fail. So for the company, it's a loss. So uh, how do you... There was a logic behind it. Like, it's... mm, the example and, and sticking to the procedures was better for the company than than tolerating overperformer. How would you, let's say, respond to 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 this line of thinking, or does it work in your in your in your example, uh, in the example of your, of your company?
2: You know, I was going to say it doesn't. I don't see a, a um, kind of an apples to apples comparison because I think in in a sales environment, if someone is being successful. Um, going outside of the process, then my thought process and, and what we train is that, okay, then let's look at the process itself. Because again, if someone's being successful, what we define as success should be in our process. So in this instance, you know, are they saying something different? Are they meeting with different people? Are they going a different route? So that's where we really want to, and I think it's very unique with salespeople because we do want to encourage that. And then in my mind, you just tie that right back into continuous improvement. And then you're encouraging, you know, this to say, hey, you know, look at the process and, you know, is it working for you? And if not, then, hey, that's great. We're challenging it. And, and challenging is okay. I think right. you, you start to run into um, sometimes differences where people think challenging is bad, where, you know, it, it's about conflict. And I think, you know, I, I, I know it's said before, right? They said one of the, the biggest fears is fear of public speaking. I think one of the greatest fears <laughs> is is conflict. And sometimes when we say, "Hey, it's okay to challenge," people think that, "Well, you know, there's only one way to challenge, where it's a conflict." So, no, no, you're just raising your hand and saying, "Hey, look, you know, this process or there's something that's not working here for me." Okay, then let's let's talk about it. Let's go and see. Let's let's do a little bit more uh, digging on that.
1: Oh, we know some some people that are actively seek out conflict, uh, even in our own company. <laughs> but that that's a different story. But uh, <laughs> you you raised a great point here uh, about because it's if 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 that the process is challenged then it requires what you mentioned before management that is actually willing to embrace it to listen to it and uh, promote that uh, continuous improvement from the top yeah. because this, this 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 openness and it needs um, to, to to change to improve needs to be communicated loud and clear from the yeah. start uh, and it needs to be demonstrated because I think I think it it, it needs just one instance where when, when the, the the ears are closed, the mind is closed, and it's not received the way that it should be, and the employees will immediately you know bottle up, and that's 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 not good. So I think I think this is this is a great demonstration. I I, I think it needs people like you who actually uh, work, whose sole kind of mission is to promote that in in a company, right?
2: Yeah. And I've been very fortunate. Um, doing this for the past three years has really turned things on top of its head for me. So I, I just, I've almost been just open to a whole new world or a whole different world where I've got all of this experience, but now I'm seeing the world through a different lens. right? And for me, I've seen just how important leadership is within an organization or, over these past three years, right? And intuitively, you know, yeah, you know, uh, my manager, my leader, you know, I, I, I understand that. No, you know, there is a difference between a leader and a manager. You know, there is a, a very important reason why we have good, strong leaders in place, you know, um, whether at the top or even at a regional level or at a team level. But the importance of the leader, it can't be under or it can't be overstated. And I've been very fortunate over the past three years to have projects where the leadership that was involved were very much, um, they, they believed in the concept. They were fully involved with the workshops. Um, they fully uh, backed uh, the, the concepts and the, um, the structure that was being put in place. And I think more importantly is that the leader was asking for the standards, right? So you, you can put a process in place, you can put standards in place, but then you, you need a leader who, who's willing to ask for those standards. Because they believe that it's going to help them be more successful.
0: So, what's the difference between leaders and managers? In your, in your, in your, like if you would, you know, put one next to another and point, okay, this is the leader because, umph, umph, and this is just manager because, umph, umph, umph.
2: In, really, in my opinion, um, the leader is the person that is is setting the vision for us. They're setting the direction. They're saying that, hey, here we are now. But hey, where we want to go, where, where we're going to go, this is what it's going to look like. You know, here's what the sky is going to look like. Here's what the trees are like. Here's what the birds, here's the smell, here's the taste, right? So, they're, they're making that vision tangible, something that I can get my arms around. And now hmm. your manager is in place to say, hey, we heard that from the leader. Let's break down what do we need to do to get there. So, here, here's, again, where we are today and here's the target picture. Now, let's apply these lean principles from that guy, Craig, and you know, let's let's <laughs> let's help us get there. So that's that's how I see the difference.
1: So you think both are actually necessary? Because very often when people when people are asked this question, they say, Oh, a leader is someone who's great and and, and has all the good qualities, and the manager is this 19th century, you know, whip holder who just demands, 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 and and he's the the, the in possession of all the bad qualities. But from your answer, I gather you you think that the world actually needs both.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think as your manager, you know, you're you're wearing you're wearing different hats, right? As we've said in the past, and it's really just what's that role that the manager needs to play at that particular time. So, are they going to be the mentor? Um, are they going to be the the coach? Are they going to be the disciplinarian? Are they going to be all these different things are needed to to slave really driver. run the slave driver. <laughs> <laughs> we hopefully are not going to be a slave driver, but again, it's um, it's it's a it's a toolbox, right? You know, what's the best tool for that situation? That's no, it's pretty really
1: interesting. It's it's really interesting because in in our company, we actually have someone whose official title, well, unofficial, unofficial title is slave driver because we actually found at some point that we did need this kind of down to earth. You know, you do this, you do this, and we almost had to approach it from the other per, the other end because we had everyone who was was quite visionary and 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 you know thinking in terms of ah, how do we, sure. you know what what could be and and we needed someone to just tell
0: them you know what guys just do some work from once in a while <laughs> yes yes yes
2: absolutely and it helped. I can see
0: that it, uh, it absolutely helped so so what you are saying we 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 agree uh, it's easy to, to, to forget sometimes when you are creating these visions. What, what I like what you said, that the vision should be tangible. We had, I think, a couple of, of uh, episodes back, we had uh, the whole episode about the importance of vision in, in, in running the, the company. However, I think this tangibility of this vision was not as strongly emphasized. And and it's if it's tangible vision, that's also easier to break down if you know yeah. how the tree is supposed to look like you know what tree to plant if it's just okay there will be a you know some greenery there then you need to decide if you want to put some bush some some rain or or a tree so yeah, it's, that it's a it's, great it's, metaphor uh, it's it's really interesting um, but there is what about continuous improvement uh, mm-hmm. when, sometimes it's misused and people who uh, say that try to implement it uh they just try to avoid uh handling issues or, or or controls uh just as a way you know let's push it you know for a little later now we will improve something else and it's a good way for them to avoid challenging problems because they always can say okay now we are focusing on improving something which is well easy to improve uh did you did you encounter this in your in, in your work and how did you handle it
2: I would say yes. I would have to think on it to come up with some specific situations, but I think the best way to describe this would be um, the process that we would put in place uh, focuses on transparency. Mm -hmm. So, if we go back and say, hey, um, again, we've got our weekly meeting or some type of uh, regular meeting. Mm -hmm. From there, you've got two things that take place. One, we we always encourage the leaders, and, and we refer to it as a cascade. So, Mm-hmm. Um, at different levels of the organization, they're having the same meeting. So we always encourage the uh, level above that that leader joins the board below them. Mm-hmm. So at that point, again, you're you're increasing that uh, that transparency. So now what happens is that during your meeting, um, your your sales team is is raising their hand, or again metaphorically speaking, with uh, let's say their KPIs. So if there is mm-hmm. an issue that's taking place there, now you really you're creating an environment where it's, it's hard to really ignore that. So, if something has come up as an issue, what we encourage is that, okay, now it's acknowledged during that meeting because we say, because we have rules, right? So, it's a very structured mm-hmm. meeting um, that, okay, this is something that you're not hitting it. Okay, then we should follow up on a go and see. Now, again, it's possible that, let's say, the leader kind of just uh, avoids it. Mm-hmm. What's possible is going to happen two things. One, those numbers or those KPIs are going to get. Um, Escalated through this cascade, so the numbers mm-hmm. here will be seen here, and then also you have the leader who's going to attend the meeting to see and, and hear what's taking place. So I would think in no situations either the leader um, will see, hey, why is this why is this deviation in place, and then that leader can do a go and see with with their employee who is again the leader for that that bottom crew. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope it makes sense, but the, the structure that we've put in place hopefully minimizes that by increasing the visibility to the, the the key numbers or the key figures, the processes. And then from there, it's really just a question of, okay, hey, this is a challenge, you know, what are you doing to um, find out and to resolve that so that it's sustainable in the future?
1: There's... So I, I, I think hope, also... Go ahead. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And I think mm-hmm. there's also a, a, a slightly different angle to it that... Uh, what what you mentioned about visibility, because uh, having uh, having visible KPIs, visible standards, visible goals, um, means that uh, you avoid two things. You avoid this this kind of avoid avoidance of mm-hmm. having to, to 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 do something, but you also avoid doing something because it's done without any reason behind it. Because everything then should align with those goals and those standards. And shouldn't be ju- done just because in a policy somewhere it states that it should be done. You know, ev- every yes. time we go into the into the building, we wave our hand and like, why, why? Right. Uh, so I, in in my in my previous previous in one of my previous jobs, uh, I, I I did have this this kind of requirement that every single risk needed to have a control, and even if it was a risk which we which was uh, you know. Controlled elsewhere or or pretty much uncontrollable external. We just had to to deal with it. So we did use. I have to admit continuous improvement as in as in a way of of marking something as in you know what we'll deal with it on a kind of general qualitative rather than quantitative right. basis. Uh, but uh, it's uh, I, I, I think it's important to underline that it needs to be. Through that clarity, you achieve the the, the, the kind of um, you know goal oriented specificity of, of of that continuous improvement rather than make it make it very nebulous. But uh, also, I, I wanted to, to to ask within your company, obviously, there's there's your role. Mm-hmm. How do others, uh, other senior managers, approach this? Uh, because it's 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 kind of it. Again, thinking a bit in a contrarian way, it came to my mind: if, Are there people who think, "Oh, we have a director of continuous improvement and quality excellence; we don't need to think about it. His responsibility."
2: That's a, that's a valid question, um, and I would say w- within our organization, um, we try to we try to say that you know, operational excellence isn't something that you just do, that it's a check mark, right? So I, I'm gonna work with Craig and now I'm done. That really, operational excellence is a mindset that helps you do things within your area, right? So it's, it's we're, we're a means to help you do something. It's not just something that you do and it's done, but you know, following this philosophy, following these, uh, this mindset is, is really going to help you in the long run. So then what does that mean? So we have um, a, a team of people global and uh, we have groups that or individuals that focus on different areas within the company. So, production, sales, um, uh, R&D, etc. So, then what we do is it's, it's almost a, a branding effort internally. So, we brand ourselves and we say, hey, look, you know, work with us so that we can come in and, and train you on these principles. And from there, we can help you look for uh, projects for, um, again, looking at your processes. And then we look to identify ways of improving productivity. So really our role is in the best case scenario, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job because ultimately we want to have this, instill this philosophy, this continuous improvement where they're looking at their processes, right? They're always looking to say and remove waste. And you had mentioned that before and ultimately where they don't need us. So we really try to place ourselves as a resource and not as, you know, we're not the quality department, right? We're not going to come and audit you, you know, to say, well, you're not doing this. We're we are more as an enabler to help you, again, be more productive and more efficient, but again, in a, in a tangible way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar to, to something that we unnecessarily sometimes succeed in is uh, we like to call ourselves the, the last consulting company you'll need.
2: And mm-hmm.
0: especially with our digital twinning, it's very often... We find out that yeah, the clients are able to model the processes and, and the risks, and they are getting fluent uh, in it, and uh, it's uh, careful what you wish for.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. And I think, yeah, uh, I mean, alt- no, yeah, go ahead, please. please. Uh, what I was going to say is that I think ultimately there is always going to be work out there right? There's always going to be something that needs to be looked at. Or let me say it this way. I think there's always a need for a third person perspective on a situation. And I think from there, there's always going to be a need for people who can come in and help ask questions or come in and help train people on maybe asking the right questions, right? So I, I think, you know, which takes me to a whole separate topic, but... Um, I Are you for- sure
0: that you didn't work with risk? Because that's something that Arthur is was drilling into us it's this three lines of control. So you have people who do, and they need to control some risks and, and realiza- have a realization of that, and they need to have people who control them. And then you need external audit that comes, and like the proper risk management is exactly structured
2: as you describe it. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yes, <laughs> <And> it is. <laughs> I, so, sorry, to
2: inter- so, 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 sorry to interrupt
0: you, that. but I, I, I was I, I was wondering because that's something that that Arthur is, was drilling in because us. it just works. It's it's that
1: that's the proper approach. I'm I'm I wholeheartedly I agree with it. <laughs> but I I wanted to ask ask you something because we we like to give our audience some some pointers, some advice. And uh, you know, if people wanted to create a role like yours in their companies, mm-hmm. could you give us a kind of uh, a ten point rundown? Of uh, what would be required for this role to actually make sense, and what would be the the kind of the top three things that that role would need to focus on?
2: Ooh, that's a uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think I would just have to talk through that with you now. But I would think if someone was looking to uh, to start up this type of role, this type of position within the company, I think you you would definitely start off with let's say. Um, uh, a shared position. So I would look at someone within the organization and say, okay, hey, can we take, you know, let's say 50% of their time and put it towards this, you know, this this concept, this initiative. So we start there. So now that we have the headcount, now the question is, okay, well, you know, what are we doing there? So I think really looking at um, training on the basics of, of lean. So when they first trained me, and, and that's probably what I would do is kind of go through, You know, what I went through, which was um, from a training perspective and even, let's say, uh, before that, but just helping this individual and helping the company understand what are we what are we trying to do? So, again, kind of goes back to that that vision piece. Right. So we say, hey, you know, we are looking to. There's always going to be competitors out there. We're always going to be looking for a way to um, do more with less. It's that's the, the nature of business. So we have this concept of operational excellence that we would like to introduce within this organization. You know, Timmy, Billy, Susie, they're gonna help us with this and they've been trained on the principles of lean. They're gonna train us on these concepts. And what we're gonna do is look at each of the departments and talk about what are the things that we can do within your department to look at your processes? Oh, what does that mean? It's okay, let's you know, let's just talk about the things that you do, kind of what I would mentioned before. So I think from my perspective, You've got, again, the vision of the role. Um, you've got your 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 headcount that's going to be shared. You're working with the individual departments. And then from there, it's just this, this process of looking at their processes, educating them on this, educating on the, the, the core concepts. Um, and I think, again, the overall concept will take time. The mindset takes time. But in the meantime, what you would do then is identify uh, projects, maybe a lighthouse project, something within... Uh, an area that you can identify uh, some solid wins, you know, made within your logistics department, made within customer service and sales. But I think that's where you start looking at, then you would run a, a, a typical project, right? And identify, you know, where where can I wins be that are, are helping to focus on customer value, but then are also helping to eliminate waste? And we didn't necessarily talk about value and waste, some of the, those concepts. Um, but again, that's why I liked the, the, um, the Toyota production system, or, or again, the, this lean approach, where you're identifying what value is, again, from the customer's perspective, mm-hmm. but then also everything else is really a waste. And this was you know, from, from Henry Ford, right? Uh, what's not value is, is waste. And the waste is really broken up. And again, you probably already know, right? You're, you're seven you know, plus two waste, depending on what list you work at. But I like that because even those waste uh, can apply to sales. And those are things that, again, are, are your tangible blueprints that could be utilized if you were to roll this out into a, into a new company.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned the blueprints, uh, because this is something that we the word that we sometimes use when we prepare the processes to be shown to the new people. I'm just wondering, like, what's your turnover and how quickly can new people enter this environmental continuous improvement and uh, are those processes that you have. Easy to be adapted by people. I don't know, trained in the in different types of, of, of sales, maybe more cowboying uh, or less. I don't know. It's um, uh, yeah. But, but how, how how do new people that, that enter your company? How they see it?
2: So you. So it's a good point because it really depends on on which way you want to answer the question, right? Because again, we have our our internal operational excellence team. But then mm-hmm. you also, you have people who are coming into the organization who are being taught this concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if we look at uh, people coming into the company and training them on these concepts, it, it takes, again, it takes time and reinforcement. So, when you when you roll something like this out, it's not something you can typically just do in a couple of hours. You know, it usually through a workshop, it, it takes days. But then as we know, you, you only learn so much at a time. And 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 in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So that needs to be reinforced uh, over time with additional trainings. So again, mm-hmm. to go back to your first point, if it's not a workshop and someone is new coming to your organization, I'll meet with them for a couple of hours on three different uh, uh, three different bases or three different times, where I introduce the, the basic concepts because then they're stepping into the existing meetings, right? They're stepping into the existing environment. So I'm there to kind of help them say, Hey, look, this is what you're going to expect. And then their manager will kind of help that also. So it's really kind of this this um, this gradual process of of emerging them um, from a <laughs> from a, a operational excellence team like myself. It took me a good two years to really I think understand these concepts uh, because again it was so different for me. Um, I mean, for me, I I always preached um, and I still do it now, but I need a tool, right? In order to do something, I need the tool first, right? So, you know, Mm. I'm going to um, I want to be a carpenter, so I'm gonna go out and buy all of this equipment. Well, do you know how to do it? Well, no, but I'm gonna go buy this saw because it's gonna make (laughs) me a carpenter.
1: (laughs) I I know I know this approach. I know so what what are your tools? If if someone wanted to be a, a, a operational excellence director, what what is the tool, the the one tool of choice that you go to the nearest shop and you buy immediately?
2: The one tool of choice, I would have to say, oh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be corny. No, I was gonna say connecting <laughs> the the ability to connect with your audience. I think that's that's got to be the first tool. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to buy. I'll,
0: I checked. Well, I checked a couple of shops.
2: Uh, it's on uh, Amazon. Uh, 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 you can you can get it in two days. <laughs> 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 it'll be it be drone dropped to your front door. Um,
1: no, I, I think I think it's a great point, and it goes goes back to the you know lending the message, right? It's, yeah. yeah. Since it's, it's, it's your your responsibility, it's it's funny. I I. I I wrote uh, it was some some time ago, but it's still on our on our cognition shared uh, solutions webpage. Uh, we've got this this series of articles on link of processes to to kaizen to six sigma to lean, and and how they they kind of these, all these operational frameworks li- link to having a process and improving it. And yeah. I think we've pretty much covered those topics. That I you know some time ago I I. I Kind of thought about in those articles. We've covered this in this episode, so uh, nice. I think if anyone wants to, 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 to uh, kind of some theoretical background behind it, uh, you know, shamelessly, uh, I refer them to, to the reading on our website. Uh, I, I think you know. Do you have any any kind of sources that you rely on uh, that would give people more information about uh, your approach and, and 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 what you do?
2: That's a that's a good question. Um, there was uh, uh, well, that'll just stay there until it falls over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a book um, from
0: a tales oh. process excellence by Michael J. Webb. Most of our audience is is
2: audio only, so. No okay. Um, but yes, um, he was a gentleman I found. So I really have, let's say, three sources. The first one is working with our consultant in Europe uh, who trained us on these concepts. So anytime I really have uh, any questions, I, I go to them. so they' they're my foundation. But mm-hmm. as we know, consultants, you know, you have to you know pay them sometimes. So on my own, what I do is I often go to YouTube. And in my searches, I found this gentleman, uh, uh, Michael Webb, and some of the things he talked about was exactly what I was learning to do. And I didn't really think that there was many people out there doing this. So I had reached out to him, I had read his book, and I was like, wow, this is, this is great. And so through that, I continued to really refine my message, my thought process, um, so that when I'm talking to um, either sales leaders uh, or business leaders, it's really from a, a sales perspective. Um, of really saying, hey, in your organization, you know, how do you find, convert, and keep customers? So I continue to find ways of um, simplifying because I, I think a lot of these concepts we talk about with, again, Six Sigma, um, with Lean, they're they're great concepts, but unless you can really connect with your audience in, in a way that they understand these topics, you know, you, you really, you're not going to have that impact that you really want to have.
1: And... Uh- Okay, well, and uh, if if people want to contact you, uh, is LinkedIn the best place to, to kind of reach out? And uh...
2: yeah, that's a that's a great uh, place. I'm I always checking LinkedIn on a daily basis.
1: Brilliant. Uh, well, thank LinkedIn. you very much for for all the information you've shared. I I think it was a great episode, and I think a very practical one because what you've given uh, is are some very specific, very practical mm-hmm. pointers which i hopefully our audience can can use and well maybe soon we will see more uh, directors of operational excellence uh, in other in other companies uh, it it will become a a a position that is uh, quite quite popular because i think i think it has a, a foundation it has a goal it has a reason and uh, we are always promoting this 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 kind of uh, thinking so now, giving it a, a name and position and a, a place in an organization is something that we're absolutely 100% behind. Perfect. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for, for uh, taking part in the, in the episode. Uh, and uh, as always, let's hope it was of use to someone.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking about telecommunication infrastructure, which all modern businesses rely on, but most people rarely think about. To demystify this ubiquitous yet so important resource, we've invited Mike Gavin, former direc- senior director, who worked for such companies as Samsung
0: and Verizon. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit pdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shred Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us.
1: For now, it's thank you from myself, Artur Guja, and my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Maren Siewiak.